0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Leah, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, July 30th, and we will be reading from the big book, beginning with the first page of the doctor's opinion, XXIII. The reference code for Friday's meeting, that's Friday July 27th is 2777, again that's 2777 for Friday's share code, and our readers today will be Fran, Judy B., Penny E., and Carol P., and we thank you in advance for your participation this morning. each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Adrian to read the 12 steps.
1: Good morning. This is Adrian. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. five. Twelve. having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs.
0: Thank you, Adrienne. And I will now call on Susan S. to read the 12 traditions, please.
2: Hi, this is Susan in Florida. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on area unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in a group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not go. Three, the only requirement for AA membership is the desire to stop the drinking. Four, each group should be autonomous except the matters affecting other groups or AA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the alcohol who still suffers. Six, every AA group will never endorse, finance or the room or to any related facility or outside enterprise, less problems of price, money, property and prestige that from our primary purpose. Seven, every AA group ought to be fully self supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Alcoholics Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, it should never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible for those they serve. Ten, Alcoholics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, here it may never be drawn to public controversy. Eleven. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. And 12 Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all of our traditions, Every reminding us to place principles before personality. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Susan. How our meeting works Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And today we resume our study in the big book. We will be on the first page of the doctor's opinion. If you are in the fourth edition of the big book, you will be on page XXV. XXV. And Friday share code, Friday, July 27th, that share code is 2777. We have four readers this morning, Fran, Judy B., Penny E.,
3: and Carol P. And good morning to you, Fran. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, visionaries. This is Fran Compose, Vulva Eater, and I know it. The doctor's opinion. We of Alcoholics Anonymous believe that the reader will be interested in the medical estimate of the plan of recovery described in this book. Convincing testimony must surely come from medical men who have had experience with the sufferings of our members and have witnessed our return to health. A well-known doctor, chief physician at a nationally prominent hospital specializing in alcoholic and drug addiction, gave Alcoholics Anonymous this letter. To whom it may concern, I have specialized in the treatment of alcoholism for many years. In late 1934, I attended a patient who, though he had been a competent businessman of good earning capacity, was an alcoholic of a type I had come to regard as hopeless. In the course of his third treatment, he acquired certain ideas concerning a possible means of recovery. As part of his rehabilitation, he commenced to present his conception to other alcoholics, impressing upon them that they must do likewise with still others. This has become the basis of a rapidly growing fellowship of these men and their families. This man and over 100 others appear to have recovered. I personally know scores of cases who were of the type with whom other methods have failed completely. These facts appear to be of extreme medical importance because of the extraordinary possibilities of rapid growth inherent in this group They may mark a new epoch in the annals of alcoholism. These men may well have a remedy for thousands of such situations. You may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. Very truly yours, William D. Silkworth, M.D. Pass.
0: Thank you, Fran. Would anyone like to comment on what was
3: read?
2: Did you seema seema? go ahead, I just wanna say briefly, I love the doctor's opinion, and I was always impressed with you can trust what they say about themselves, and I think that means that they don't like to say anything that they don't know, and uh yeah. they know that it's repeated again and again that they know everything about addiction. Thank you
3: hi this is thank
4: Richard. you This is Georgette. I'd like to share.
0: Please go ahead.
4: Thank you. Um,
5: The one thing here that really got me and it always does is that he regarded him as hopeless. And then it was somebody who wanted to quit, like I wanted to quit, but I couldn't. So I needed to hear this because I kept getting up every day and saying, today's going to be the day, and I was never able to get through an hour. So I always wanted to quit, but I couldn't. So that really stuck out to me again. Thanks.
0: Thank you. This is Judy B. Judy, your turn.
5: (laughs) Recovered compulsive overeater. Good morning, everyone. Um, Just the first sentence uh, I'd like to begin at. I have specialized in the treatment of alcoholism for many years, and and we do know that this, this doctor knew what he was talking about. He had worked ceaselessly with with hundreds of men and women who um who could not recover from this disease and so many of them had been uh described as hopeless both in mind and body they were hopeless They, they could not recover and the doctors did all they could do and um and still the recovery uh success rate was very, very, very limited and low. Um, there was nothing left for these, these men to do. And then, um, and then he meets this uh, patient who, who, the third time he was there, he acquired certain ideas concerning a possible means of recovery. As part of his rehabilitation, he commenced to present his conceptions to other alcoholics Impressing upon them that they must do likewise with still others, and this man seemed to be restored back to his original health, and he he found a method whereby he could help he could help others, and and the doctor was was very much impressed by this, and and um, he saw that there were over a hundred men who appeared to have recovered this way, and this this presented hope. The big thing I see here is that uh, the doctor had found that um, hope was available. There was a method by which these people could recover. And um, with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Judy.
5: Anyone else?
0: Hi, this is Kim. Kim, your turn. Good morning,
6: Leah. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Convincing testimony must surely come from medical men who have had the experience with the suffering of our members and have witnessed our return to health. So, why does this testimony have to come from the medical point of view? It's because we lie. You know, how many times have we gone to people? This time it's going to be different. I swear this time it's going to be different. This diet program is going to work. That diet program, if I don't eat till 8 o'clock, if I only eat, don't eat breakfast, if I, if I only cheat on Tuesdays and Fridays, that's the answer. So why is it this convincing testimony that comes from medical people? Because the, the alcoholics couldn't be trusted. They kept swearing off and swearing off and swearing off, which I so relate to. So they're saying here, here's a medical person. Here's someone who has worked. Dr. Slickworth worked with 50,000 alcoholics. And he was felt hopeless. He felt powerless to help them. And here comes something along that his patients are getting sober. They're staying sober. And he's saying this could work. You know, the reason this is called the doctor's opinion is this is radical, radical stuff. And when this first came off the, print, the press in 1939, Dr. Selfworth was saying, listen, I believe in what you're doing. This makes sense. I understand it's an allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. But I could be laughed out of the medical community. I will write this letter, but you need to say it's a doctor's opinion because I have no proof, and I'd rather you leave my name off. It was only when AA started to grow by leaps and bounds that in further printing, he said, you know what? You can put my name on it now. Because, because society started to accept it. So that's why this is so radical. And the fact is, if we don't believe in this doctor's opinion, if we don't believe in the obsession of the mind and the allergy of the body, the rest of the book isn't going to make sense. So when I read this, I am so excited when we get to this doctor's opinion because this is telling me the, my problem. And once I know the problem, I'm going to be willing to turn the next pages to find that solution. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Kim. Anyone else like to comment on what was read? You will need to press star 1 to unmute. Good morning. This is Christy. Christy, your turn. Thanks. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Good morning,
7: everyone. This is Christy, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And, um, you know, I mean, you know, as others have shared on the word hopeless, I will do the same. Um, Because it reminds me of going into my doctor's office, so literally I'm going to talk about my doctor's opinion. When I was hopeless, I walked in, and I'll never forget, I weighed 305 pounds, and my doctor said to me, because I was beginning to suffer the consequences of weighing 305 pounds, and my doctor said, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about this? You weigh 305 pounds, and I said, you tell me, you tell me what we're going to do about this because I have tried everything. I have tried everything. I remember sitting in that office and it was 1992 and I was hopeless. I was hopeless. I had tried everything and nothing worked. Nothing worked for me. And it didn't get better after that. I gained more weight. Just because my doctor said, you know, you're in trouble, Christy. You are in trouble. I I I wasn't given a solution, unfortunately, in my doctor's I was study. My doctor did everything she could to tell me what I could try. You know, here are some other things you can try that are so similar to what you've already tried. You know, I don't even know why you try them. At least that's what my brain told me. And um You know, it wasn't until uh, several years later, several years later when I was presented in the solution, which, you know, I won't, you know, there's not going to be a spoiler alert here. We'll read about it. You know, I'm going to understand the nature of my problem, the true nature of my problem as we continue in the doctor's opinion. But, you know, if you fast forward to 2001, 2002, 2003, when I went to see my doctors, um, it was a much different story. It was a much different story because I've been presented with a solution that worked for me. I've present, been presented with the nature of my problem. I've been presented with the nature of my problem. And in addition to being presented with the nature of my problem, my problem, I was presented with a solution. And so, you know, when my doctors, I mean, they're astounded. They're astounded. I've had a couple of, um, primary care physicians who are absolutely astounded because they share with me, you know, in their opinion, what they have seen come into their office, you know, and especially with, um, you know, the influx of people that have had gastro bypass surgery a second and now a third time. You know, my my doctors can share with me that they, you know, they're baffled. They're baffled. And... um, they're astounded by the fact that I have been maintaining the same weight for nine and a half years, for nine and a half years, you know, and they see pay. I mean, I'm a rarity. I'm a rarity, but there's nothing special about me either. There's nothing special about me. Um, I, I simply, <laughs> you know, work the, follow the steps like my life depends on it. That's it. That's it. And it was desperation that brought me there. It was hopelessness that brought me there. It was hopelessness and desperation that brought me there. And, you know, I'm just so grateful that one day at a time, one day at a time, one day at a time I am no longer hopeless, no longer in that place of desperation, and um, with that I'll pass.
0: Thank you so much, Christy. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I will comment on this briefly. Uh, Convincing testimony must surely come from medical men who have had experience with the sufferings of our members and have witnessed our return to health. Again, this is the doctor's opinion, and the doctor's opinion is the foundation of the whole big book and the fellowship. Uh, So this is... So important, uh, you know, to non-compulsive overeaters. This section may simply seem to be a helpful introductory note, but without it, the entire book is not going to make sense. It says a well-known doctor, chief physician at a nationally prominent hospital, specializing in alcoholic and drug addiction, gave Alcoholics Anonymous this letter. Who is this doctor? Well, this physician's name is Dr. William Silkworth, and we refer to him as our as a medical saint, because he was the first physician to fully understand and to put into words what the alcoholics' problem is. And, and he freely risked his professional reputation to champion this fledgling movement called Alcoholics Anonymous, and that's why uh, we study these pages because Dr. Silkworth was the first physician to fully understand and put into words what the alcoholic's problem is. And he signs his name at the end. Uh, You know, at the next to last paragraph, he says here, this man and over 100 others appear to have recovered. Again, uh, Dr. Silkworth, he worked with thousands of alcoholics in the early part of the 20s, century thousands uh... it's it's uh, it's told that he worked with over 50,000 alcoholics did he see men and women sober up indeed he saw men and women sober up but this was different he said this man and over 100 others appeared to have recovered meaning we're talking more than just a mere elimination of alcohol yes these men and women that he witnessed uh... sobered up but they stayed sober They stayed sober, and that obsession of the mind is driven out. It's been expelled. These men and women have experienced a personality change, a spiritual awakening, a transformation of a life, a rehabilitated life. And that is a place, a goal, and an aim, and an objective that we call recovered. This goes further than physical uh, sobriety, physical solution. We have a spiritual malady. That when overcome, we will straighten out mentally and physically. Dr. William Silkworth embraced that understanding. He embraced it, and he's the first one that we're going to learn from regarding the allergy of the body. And so he has referred his love, his love and his commitment, his dedication to the world of alcoholism is the reason why we refer to him as a medical saint. Love was his magic. Love was his magic. He's stuck by the alcoholics to help the alcoholic. And with that I pass anyone else like to comment on what was read so far? It's Monica. Yes. Monica, please go ahead.
8: Good morning, Leah. Thank you. And good morning to everyone. My name is Monica. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. A well known doctor, chief physician at a nationally prominent hospital specializing in alcoholic and drug addiction. I just wanted to point out here that these are very, very important credentials were being told here, were being given here. A well-known doctor, and of course we all know this is Dr. Silkworth, that he was the chief physician. He wasn't just any old doctor. He was the chief physician at this nationally prominent hospital, and that was Towns Hospital in New York City, specializing. This was their specialization at this place. So these are very, very, very important credentials were being given here in in this sentence. So people, listen up. This guy knows what he is talking about. You can believe what he's saying. He's been there. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Monica. Anyone else? Sharon, Sharon. thank you. This is Janice. Sharon and then Janice, please.
9: Thank you, Leah. Uh, Good morning to all of you. I'm Sharon, a recovered compulsive overeater, and uh, the thing that, uh, first of all, I just want to say that, boy, OA, we could really stand a Dr. Silkworth um, because there's so many physicians out there that don't recognize the grave nature of compulsive overeating. Um, many of them uh, will try to say that we can recover while still eating our binge foods now and then. Um, And that just uh, doesn't work for those of us who are suffering, as it says here. I'm looking here. Um, These medical uh, men had experienced the suffering of our members. I don't know that many in the medical field, they can understand our physical suffering, but do they really understand the depth of our suffering? For me, when I was in the food, it is when I – it is sheer suffering i mean an agony that goes beyond physical pain. It's an agony of of uh, a darkness a a cloud a uh, despairing a hopelessness i I'm trapped i I can't get out by any strength of my own um Beyond obsessed, it's as if an other has taken over, and it's beyond me, so suffering is a good way to describe it um and the suffering of the alcoholic and then the suffering of the compulsive overeater uh that it it's extreme, but the thing that dr Sel Silkworth says here is a return to health, return to health. And that's signaling that there's a physical problem. Physically, there is, it, things have gone awry. Our bodies, and, and oftentimes uh, during that time and even still now, people look at uh, addiction as a mental problem somebody who doesn't have control or who went down the wrong pathway Um, but for me it just I didn't choose it it just happened I just became that and I'm sure there was a choice that I made but my health my mental health deteriorated my physical health deteriorated and yet what we see here is that There is a way, there is a method of recovery that will return us to health. And with that,
0: I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Janice, please.
10: Good morning. Good morning, Leah. Thank you. This is Janice. I am a compulsive overeater recovered today. Thank you, God. You know what? What I'm always so aware of is here we are in the doctor's opinion and we're gonna get our diagnosis. We're gonna get our diagnosis. And they led this book off with a bang. Look at how this book is laid out. I think that is so significant. You know, with great deliberation, I'm sure, what do we lead off with? We of Alcoholics Anonymous believe that the reader and who is the reader? You and I. They wrote this book for you and I and what is the first information they're going to lay out for us the doctor's opinion so it says pay attention here because this is how the book starts out with something that I need so desperately to know something that I did not know before you cannot treat something without knowing your diagnosis you cannot treat or give help to something if it's not been identified So here in the doctor's opinion, I'm going to have identified for me exactly what is wrong with me. And this was not a known, well-known fact before that. Thank you for everyone who shared this morning. You know, we all suffered. We all suffered from this common illness, this common illness. But there was going to be developed here a way of treating this illness. And it was going to be told to us by this great doctor who had had so much experience sitting at the bedsides of these alcoholics, dealing with their families, seeing these people over and over and over again be hopeless. What he had thought was a hopeless illness because that had been his experience. But then he had contact with these 100, these 100 As part of his rehabilitation, he commenced to present his conceptions to other alcoholics, oppressing upon them that they must do likewise with still others. Here was going to be the crux of how this was going to continue. But first of all, we had to know what we were up against, who we were and what we were up against. And it's right here in the doctor's opinion. Thank you, God. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Janice. Anyone else?
2: This is this is Sarah. Can I share? Of
0: course, Sarah.
11: Good morning. My name is Sarah. Recovered compulsive overeater. Um, there's so many things that I have underlined in these paragraphs, um, but I think one of the most important things in these paragraphs is the message of hope. Where here we have a doctor. You know we're starting off with what do we do when we're sick? What do we do when we're when we have a, um, a, a physical situation where we don't know how to handle it? We run to a doctor. So we're beginning with the doctor's opinion because that's where we would automatically run and turn to for help. And the beginning of his whole letter is is a recognition of a situation. Bill's situation, which he had come to regard as hopeless, so Dr. Silkwith in his um, in his greatness, had the humility to recognize that there were situations which, you know, he couldn't was was beyond his human aid and was beyond the medical professional's ability to to help. It wasn't like he wasn't experienced, as it was mentioned before. So he had rec- he had come to regard. This case is hopeless, and I'm sure he wasn't the first. So in the course of his third treatment, which means he was there, and he got sober, and he had to come back, and he got sober, and he had to come back. So now it's the third treatment. Dr. Silkworth really is not sure how he can help him, um, has these ideas. Well, what are those ideas? The ideas are that a power greater than themselves, beyond human aid, but a power greater than themselves, that God could take them where no man could take them he could take them to recovery and then bill sharing those ideas with other people giving hope where there's no hope and people taking on to that people not everybody but those that were willing and those who were desperate enough were um accepted those ideas and and they too recovered they they As Leah mentioned before so incredibly, you know, they didn't just sober up, they recovered. They weren't coming back for, you know, second, third, fourth, tenth treatments. So I personally know scores of cases who were the type with whom other methods had failed completely. These people had tried everything. And what was the thing that saved them? God saved them, came to believe that a power greater than themselves could restore them to sanity, could take them where no man could take them. These facts appear to these are facts. These are not opinions. These are facts. The facts are these people were 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 sick, they were alcoholic, they were being given up on. They were giving up on themselves and the society was giving up on them too. And they recovered. That's a fact. They weren't coming back because they falling back into the pit of their of their disease. It's extremely medical it's of extreme Medical importance because of the extraordinary possibilities of rapid growth inherent in this group. They mark a new epoch in the annals of alcoholism. These men will have a remedy for thousands of such, such situations. Situations? What situations? Situations that seem hopeless, where where it seems beyond human aid. And this program that we're about to learn is going to give a solution, a solution to where there's no hope. It gives hope. And we can rely on anything they say. Thank you for letting me share.
0: Thank you, Sarah. Thank you very much. Yes, indeed, uh, this article is quite something to review, um, this letter. And at at the bottom of the letter, just taking note of those two statements, these men may well have a remedy for thousands of set such situations, again, we're talking about a solution. Again, Dr. Silkworth was privy to witness the profound transformation of uh, these rehabilitated men and women, men and women who had renewed lives, reordered lives. They were essentially reborn. And these men and women came from different facets of life, young and old, black and white, uh, different occupations. But they all had an experience, and it was spiritual in nature, and it produced a new person living a new way of life, and we call it recovered. We call it recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body due to a personality change, a spiritual awakening sufficient to bring about recovery. They call it a remedy. It is a solution. So even though we come from different facets, even though we are people who would normally not mix, we carry a message. We don't carry personal opinion, and we don't carry personal philosophy. We stand in harmony on the program of recovery. And, of course, it says here you may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. That means that those of us who are recovered, those of us who have met the goal and the objective and the aim of the program of recovery, we carry a message of depth and weight. We're properly armed with facts, not about not facts about other people, facts about ourselves. We have been in the pit of the disease called alcoholism in the case of the big book or in our case, the disease of compulsive overeating. And we no longer live that way. We no longer self-destruct through that compulsive overeating. We no longer kill ourselves with the contents of a cellophane bag in a bakery box. And because we are speaking about ourselves, we can win the entire confidence of another compulsive overeater because we can say to that compulsive overeater, yes, I understand those tears. Yes, I understand that despair and that pain because I used to live that way, but I no longer live that way because. With the help of another recovered compulsive overeater, I implemented these very 12 steps, and it has transformed my life. And I no longer live that way. In fact, I live a life which is happy, joyous, and free. And if you, too, would like to walk this planet as a free man or a free woman, that's possible for you, too. And I can take you by the hand, and I can lead you through these very same 12 steps that are outlined in this big book, and you, too, can have a personality change. Yes, you too can have a spiritual awakening sufficient to bring about recovery. That's why William Sokhorst ends his letter, you may rely absolutely on anything else, anything they say about themselves. With that, I pass. Anybody else have any comments on this letter before we move on to the next paragraph? Okay, I'll take the silence as a no. Judy B., thank you. If you could read the next paragraph, please.
5: Certainly. The physician who, at our request, gave us this letter has been kind enough to enlarge upon his views in another statement which follows. In this statement, he confirms what we who have suffered alcoholic torture must believe, that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. It did not satisfy us to be told that we could not control our drinking just because we were maladjusted to life, that we were in full flight from reality, or were outright mental defectives. These things were true to some extent, in fact, to a considerable extent for some of us. But we are sure that our bodies were sickened as well. In our belief, any picture of the alcoholic which leaves out this physical factor is incomplete. And and it just is so important here that we see that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. And even though uh, many of us... Um, Maybe drinking or eating because we are maladjusted to life, or we're in full fright, flight from reality, or or are outright mental defectives. We don't all have that in common. What we do have in common is that our body has an allergy to certain substances and to certain behaviors. And the um, and these men are, are writing this. Uh, telling us that the doctor is going to explain even more to us. He has, he has included this um, statement later, which is going to explain to us exactly how this um, disease has affected us. And um, in our belief, any picture of the alcoholic which leaves out this physical factor is incomplete and as compulsive overeaters. I mean, we see we see others who who eat and seem to use food in a way that we do. But the truth is that we have an allergy and the doctor recognizes this with um drinkers, they have an allergy to alcohol. We have an allergy to certain substances which makes us crave more and more and more. And um That's why the doctor's opinion is so important to us also, because even though we may appear like others, you know, just like uh, there are people who can drink moderately and leave it alone, there are people who can overeat at certain times and then leave it alone. But if we are convinced that we are of the type that cannot do this, then we know that we have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. So any picture of the alcoholic which leaves out this physical factor is incomplete. And we're going to learn more as we read his statement. But in this paragraph, I think it's important that we recognize that there is an allergy of the body, that our body is definitely different than a person who does not have our disease. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Judy. Anyone else on the paragraph that was just read? This
5: Hi, this Janice. is Kim. Janice.
6: Kim and then Janice, please. Good morning, everyone. Again, my name is Kim. I'm a recovery compulsive overeater. In this statement, he confirms, Dr. Silkworth confirms, that we who have suffered alcoholic torture must believe that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. It's not saying that we have to kind of consider it. That we can reflect on it, but we must believe that. And, and he's confirming that we're suffering alcoholic torture. You know, to be in this disease is torture. It's just not about being x number of pounds overweight or underweight or being at the right size or, or normal body size and binging and purging. That's not what this is about. It's, it's the suffering alcoholic torture. You know, I remember, you know, at the point where I had to only buy slip-on shoes because when I leaned over. To tie my shoes, it, my stomach was so big that I couldn't breathe. You know, I, I woke up this morning at 2 a.m. and had a hard time falling asleep, and for some reason I was hit with these memories. And in my disease, I remember eating three quarters of my binge food, throwing it in the trash, and waking up at 2 a.m., tears rolling down my face because I knew I was going to get up and eat it. I was going to go into that trash. I was going to knock off the dust bunnies and whatever raw sewage was on the, in that trash can, and I was going to finish off those binge foods. Because once I ingest that that physical allergy is so strong that I am compelled, I am absolutely compelled to go back and eat it regardless. You know that once I ingest it that I am less satisfied at the hundredth bite than I was at the first bite. But it's also that I when I went to the food I stopped maturing. You know, the torture was I didn't know how to deal with people, I didn't know how to deal with family, because once I started to escape in the food, I stopped maturing. I stopped growing. So that that is alcoholic torture. And the complete picture, what we must believe, is that my body, the body of the alcoholic, is quite as abnormal as his mind. And until we are convinced of this, we're not going to be
0: able to go any further. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Janice, please.
10: Thank you, Leah. Thank you. Okay, so we're going to expound some on this very important information. The physician who, at our request, gave us this letter has been kind enough to enlarge upon his views in another statement. So what do we know to be true when this book was written about alcoholics? That people thought they lacked moral character, that they were weak-willed, that they could only be locked up because they just could not think for themselves clearly they were sinners they were sinners is what people thought you know and here we're going to be told that although there are things about us mental defective things about us that it's our bodies were sickened as well as our minds our physical selves suffered from something over which we had no control once we took that first bite, we had no control. And, and we'll learn that our minds were indeed sickened as well. We'll learn that. The 12 steps will treat that sick mind. But it will also help us to realize our sick bodies. Our sick bodies had to be first and foremost. That we had to put down the food in order to work those 12 steps as if our lives depended on it. So they are telling us here, but we are sure, who is the we here? The we is those 100 recovered alcoholics. We are sure that our bodies were sickened as well. Because once we got this picture from the doctor, from the good Dr. Silkworth, once we got this picture that there was this allergy that we suffered from, all the puzzle pieces began to fall into place. Here was a piece of information that had not yet been revealed to us. Although deep in my heart, oh my God, it made such sense to me. Here was something being explained to me for which I had never had any answer. And that's what we're going to learn here. In our belief, any picture of the alcoholic which leaves out this physical factor is incomplete. It's incomplete. And now we're going to get the complete picture
0: here. Thank you, God. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Anyone else?
9: This is Sharon.
0: Sharon, please go ahead. Thanks.
9: Uh, I, the thing that really sticks out here is, and it's already been mentioned, and Kim spoke of it so beautifully, that we must believe. Um, and we have to get in touch. We have to recognize that suffering. And sometimes as compulsive over uh, and any of us in our addiction, we forget the suffering. We forget how much suffering and we just get uh, the food takes over. And what it says here is that the body is quite as abnormal as his mind. So our body is functioning separately. Our mind is functioning separately separately. Uh, And we're going to find that we need a power greater than both of us to come and intercede between our body and our mind to help us to get recovered. So we have to recognize that as compulsive overeaters, that it's not just about putting the food in our mouth. It's not just making the decision not to eat or to eat. There is something going on with our body where our body is abnormal not just because it's overweight not because it's underweight it's abnormal because of its attraction because of the way it responds to certain foods it's abnormal because it doesn't respond properly to us we may tell our body no but then it we don't have any control our body is out of our control our ability to heal ourselves, we don't have that capability anymore. And so as we, we go on, we have to remember that. We have to recognize that we have our body that is sickened, and we have our mind that is sickened. How do we get cured when we are sick in all of in our different facets? So we're gonna find out how that's going to happen, but we have to keep that in mind as we read this text, as we study this program, we have to keep that in mind. So with that, I
0: pass. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you. My name is Leigh. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I, too, wanted to comment on this paragraph. In this statement, he confirms what we who have suffered alcoholic torture must believe, that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. Uh, The torture aspect, you know, this disease destroys us before it kills us. Uh, We are haunted by this disease, the despair, the terror, the bewilderment, the frustration, the fear of it all. And it teaches us here that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. What they're introducing us to is... The fact that we have a twofold disease, twofold disease. We have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind, twofold. We're going to learn about the allergy of the body, of course, in the doctor's opinion and in other chapters as well. We learn about the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. Isn't it uh, fascinating and unfortunate that many Overeaters Anonymous meetings begin with chapter five, how it works? skipping over this very, very important uh, material, this very, very important uh, material about ourselves, that we have this allergy of the body. Uh, You know, those of us that study this text, we realize how lucky we are because prior to 1930, very few ever recovered from alcoholism. And prior to 1930, the thought was that it was lack of willpower these alcoholics, they had a lack of moral character. They were sinners, you know, but because of this program of recovery and because of these, uh, this information that we learn in the doctor's opinion, we learn that our illness is not a moral issue. We learn that this illness is not a moral issue. This is one of the most important chapters of this big book because it teaches us that we are bodily different from other people that once we take that bite or once the alcoholic takes that first drink in, that feeling and that desire and that craving is intensified, never satisfied. The normal drinkers, they don't have to use willpower at all because one drink or two drinks or three drinks are all they want or all they need. They get all they want to drink every time they drink, so it's easy for them to stop. But the alcoholic had to accept that when it came to alcohol, they are bodily different from most people. When normal people feel the effect of alcohol, they're ready and they are able to stop drinking. But when the alcoholic felt the effect of alcohol, they wanted to keep on drinking. They wanted to continue to drink. Normal people do not crave alcohol. Alcoholics do. Allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. With that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on to the next?
12: Hi, this is Larry.
0: Larry, please go ahead.
12: Hi, Larry from Chicago, uh, Compulsive Overheater. You know, for me, um, when I look at the allergy of the body, why do I need to really internalize and understand that there's an allergy in the body? Because an alcoholic that follows this program, if you remove alcohol from their system and they follow the steps, they begin to recover. As a compulsive, I don't have problems with alcohol. I can have one. I can overindulge sometimes. I cannot have a drink for a year. The fact and it doesn't matter to me in the house, out of the house, it doesn't have any sort of emotional gravitational pull towards me one way or the other. That's just a fact. That's my experience. The reason why the allergy of the body is so critically important for me to understand is is because when it comes down to it, I need to remove those binge foods that set off that allergy. And if I dabble, if I dabble in any way and we know what I mean, just a little bit of this, it's not going to hurt me. Perhaps for me, it's sugar, a little bit of sugar, but it sets off the allergy of the body. And it may not, for me, set it off right then and there, but it sets it off every time. And so I had to really come to accept my powerlessness in the face of this allergy of the body, fully with the recognition of the twofold nature of the disease, that there is an obsession in the mind as well. But if I gloss over the allergy of the body, I will dabble. I'll have a little bit of this, or maybe I'll begin to lose weight, which is what I wanted when I came in here in the beginning anyway. And I'll just, eh, maybe a little bit, maybe I'll have a little bit of that. And before you know it, because I have this twofold nature of this disease, I'm going to be right back into the food. So um, that's why it's so critically important. I can't gloss over this fact. With that, I'll pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Larry. Anyone else on this paragraph?
4: This is Paula Naschia. Of course, Paula. I will make this shot. I was going to say sweet, but that would not go along with this. And I'm going to go on that sentence, must believe that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. That's it, the body and mind. There ain't much left, is there? And truly, there isn't much left. And this is what the doctor saw, not much, but he saw something. But I wanted to leave on this here, and I believe any picture of the alcoholic would which leaves out the physical factor, is incomplete. You can't finish it. You can't finish the picture unless you have everything to hear. And here it is. You must know this, which leaves out the physical factor, is incomplete. That word incomplete has such significance. You know, it's like we used to play that game, find the missing piece in the picture. Well, here they're giving you the missing piece. Thank you for allowing me to
0: share with that I do pass. Anyone else on this paragraph before we close the meeting this morning?
13: Good morning. This is Eddie in Virginia.
0: Eddie, please go ahead.
13: Good morning, all. This is Eddie in Virginia, a compulsive overeater, grateful to be in recovery today. Um, the physical uh, allergy of the body um, I remember for years, my mother, who was an extremely disciplined individual, saying to me, "All you need is some discipline, all you need is a little bit of willpower and she watched me struggle with my weight and um, unsuccessfully <laughs> and you know and after a while, I just became, I just came to believe that there was something morally defunct in me that I could not muster this, whatever it was in order to lose the weight and keep it off. And, you know, it it, it it got to the point where I just didn't even bother to try because what was the point? I didn't have what it took to, uh, you know, be in a normal body size and, um, and maintain that. And uh, when I heard this, when I finally, you know, crawled in through the doors of OA and I heard that I had an allergy of the body, um, I just remember the relief that washed through me. Even after seven years, I remember that. Uh, So clearly that that I actually had something wrong with me. I had a disease. I had an illness. I was sick physically, not only emotionally, but physically sick. But and that at least I thought to myself, well, maybe I can do something about that and the rest will follow. So to me, this was just like a great gift. Um, that I actually had something physically wrong with me and that perhaps there was a cure, and there was indeed a cure for me. Uh, Thank God for that. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Eddie. Thank you, everyone who participated in the meeting this morning. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Penny E., please, would you read that for us?
14: Yes, good morning, Penny E, compulsive overreader. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. <clears throat> Excuse me, we realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right